0: Who's, who heard the message last week? Oh, I like it. Who's ready to be a giant slayer? If so, say yes. yes. We're going to rise up. That's what I preached last week. Rise up, giant slayers. And you know what? You're, you're going to get part two today, which is going to be very different. Um, but I laid a foundation last week with David uh, slaying the giant Goliath. And the message I'm going to bring you today really connects tightly with, um, I don't know if you call it a revelation. Uh, conviction, an aha, I don't know what you call it. But while I was away on the sabbatical, there was one word that God really drove deep into my spirit. And it actually started back the end of last year. I read a book and there were some things that God started to do in me. But the word is this, sustainability. Can y'all say sustainability? Sustainability. I'm not talking about going green, but the idea is there. I'm not against that, by the way, but the idea is what if your life was sustainable? Not just your life, but your faith were more sustainable. And I just had this realization while I was away that it's really easy to get caught up in looking at the short term. It's really easy to get caught up in what's a win today. In fact, a win today would be Mia celebrated her birthday this past week. Happy birthday, Mia. And then another win would be my father-in-law. It's his birthday today. Come on, wave, Robin. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Robin. Happy birthday to you. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that later, but that's okay. And I thought we had a small miracle today because Makai was up here. He didn't have any holes in his jeans. Where'd you go, Makai? Like, he probably stepped out for a second, but I was like, I didn't think he had any clothes in his wardrobe that didn't have jeans. There he, there he is. I love you, Micaiah. You look good in those skinny jeans, man. <laughs> no holes. <laughs> I miss, uh, for those of you that this is family, uh, brother, Pia Bullock that passed away. Uh, I miss him. And uh, he's such a good, he was such a good man and such a faithful member of this church for gosh, almost 20 years, I think, And uh, but I could always count on Brother Hyatt, because I I will occasionally wear holes with jeans, and if I wore jeans, holes with jeans, jeans with holes, you know what I meant, but if I would wear like these jeans that didn't have any holes, then he would typically be sitting out there at the table, and I would walk out and shake his hand, he's like, hey there, you don't need any patches for those today, do you? And if I had holes, he'd be like, you know, I got a patch, we could sew that up, you know, iron that right on, so. A little tangent. Sustainability. Everybody say sustainability. The world conditions us to focus on the short term, the short game. You, you could contrast it as finite versus infinite. You could contrast it as temporary versus eternal. You could contrast short term versus long term. And what does our world condition us to? Everything over here that I just said, right? Short-term, long or short-term finite, temporary, and that's how we're conditioned. And I just had this realization while I was away that like, you know what? I don't wanna live my life that way. I don't have to compete against Paul. I don't need to beat Paul. I just need to be the best version that God created me to be, because God don't make junk. He created me as a masterpiece. So I don't need to compete against somebody else. Our church doesn't need to compete against another church. We're in this for the long haul. Everybody say the long game. And so it just, God kind of created this new anchor in my life. I mean, if, listen, if I preach a sermon, of course I'm going to say it's all about eternity. Like, how many believe it's all about eternity? Yes. But do you live that way? And that was the the sticking point for me that I, you know what? I was like, I I need to make sure I keep my focus on the eternal. And that means that I've got to structure my life so that what I'm doing today, I can do tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and 5 years 10 years from now because that makes me what? sustainable. Now, why did I share that with you? Because it 100% connects with what I want to minister to you today. And that is the fact that David what was he? Was he a giant slayer? What was he? Oh my gosh, that you guys fell asleep. What was he? Okay. He was a giant slayer. But he didn't just do one big thing, and then he didn't, he did one thing and then rode the momentum of that. See, it started for David. Where did he start? Was he in the palace? No, he was in the pasture. I like the peas. I didn't, I was gonna say the field, David, but the pasture is much better because it started in the pasture with the sheep. And then Samuel came to anoint the king and did his daddy put him up in the line first? No, in fact, he went through the whole line of them and he's like, well, do you have any other kids? Oh yeah, I got this one boy out in the field. He was unknown, he was forgotten, he was unvalued and he was a shepherd boy. And he was prepared out in the pasture. And then when he showed up, battle that we talked about last week in 1 Samuel 17, I believe it was. There was a giant that needed to be slayed. And while he was in that pasture, what did he do? He killed the lion and he killed the bear. And he learned to hear the voice of the good shepherd. And so there was a confidence in his faith. So when the giant needed to be slayed, he was ready to step up. See, and I, I pushed, by the way, I'm totally gonna step on toes today and it's gonna be great, okay? So just, just prepare yourself. Just stick them out there and say, hit me first. So when we look at David, let me just establish three things and then we'll go in and we'll push in on this a little bit. Number one, uh, David would not have become a giant slayer if there wasn't a giant. Like some of us be praying prayers to get our to get out of this, to make it go away. And God's like, rise up, giant slayer. Like the champion within you cannot be awakened if there's not a battle to fight. And so we've got to shift our focus. Number two, David would not have become a giant slayer if he had not been prepared as a shepherd fighting the lion and the bear. And number three, David was playing the long game because he was unknown His name got known by slaying a giant, but that was just the beginning. Everybody said just the beginning. He reigned as king for 40 years. And at the end of his days, what was he called? A man after God's own heart. Everybody say long game. Everybody say sustainable. See, if you want to be a giant slayer, if you want to rise up and slay the giant, you're gonna have to, Build a faith that can get through the storm. You're going to have to build a faith that when the giants come, you're not like the Israelite army we read about last week, turning tail and running as cowards, terrified, petrified. But when the giant shows up, you're like, well, I mean, I did trust God in this and I did trust God in this, I guess. And everybody else is scared. Rise up, giant slayer because you can step into that moment. But see, it's not enough just to step into that moment. What are you going to do to have sustainable faith over the long haul? Some of you, you're not beginners in this journey. How many have been saved more than 20 years? 30 years, keep your hands up, 40 years. See, some of you, you've been doing this thing a little bit. Um, Hey Rick. Do you handle some giants a little bit differently today than you did back in the day? Oh, yeah, he says. Are you, what'd you say? Wisdom, yes. Some people get old, but they don't get wise. Rick's not one of them. So you learn some things, but you gotta have sustainable faith. So how about we learn three lessons about how to have sustainable faith from David, who is a shining example of what it means to live with a sustainable faith, to go the long haul and to be who God called him to be. How many wanna have sustainable faith? If so, say yes. If you wanna turn to Psalm 23, you can. Um, You know what, let me read just one verse because, I skipped over it, but I want to read it just before I get into David again, because I read it last week, and it's James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. In the NIV, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Everybody say, finish its work. Right now, you are in the... Well, you don't have to keep going, but that was good. Is that you, Michael? Somebody over there. Is it you, Michael Todd? Somebody shouted. You're awesome, brother. Right now, you are building the muscles of sustainable faith. Don't ask God to get you out of it. Ask him what the work is that he wants to do in you right now. Because this is when he does his best work. Because when you get... When perseverance finishes its work, then you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The the Passion Translation says, um, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, can we just keep it real in here? Has anybody felt like that the last three or four months or the last 30 days? Okay, that's good. When it seems like you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity. That's why I'm preaching this. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within. Everybody say, take it back. It stirs up power within within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. How many want that? Yeah, this is the moment. Like, look at somebody right now and say, this is your time. Look at the person on the other side you just ignored. Tell them, tell them, this is your time to become mature and complete and not lacking anything. All right, lesson number one, I will fear no evil. That's what David said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, by the way, when he wrote this, he was in the palace and he was looking back on those pastures. It's funny, you were like ahead of the game, David. He was in the palace, but he was looking back on the lessons he learned while he was being prepared in the pasture. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say, I will. Fear no evil. That's part of why David could have sustainable faith. That's part of why he made it 40 years and ended his journey, a man after God's own heart. Now, I'm not gonna go into the passages, but is anybody aware that David made some mistakes? like? Some big honking mistakes, like getting people killed and having adultery. He made some big mistakes. But somehow, even in the midst of the stupid things he did, he learned to hear the Father's voice. And he was able to say that, I will fear no evil. If you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, Jacob, you have no reason to fear anything. Terry, no, I don't care what the economy does when you got two businesses. You you don't have to fear any evil because there is a confidence and assurance of being a child of God. You are not alone. Not unless you run away, but we'll read a verse a little later. Even if you run away, he's still there. So we don't have to fear anything. Now, this metaphor of a shepherd, it's all throughout scripture, right? And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads, he feeds, and he protects his sheep. He leads, he feeds, he protects his sheep. And our heavenly father is what? He's the good shepherd. And I guess the big thing I wanna say is you can trust the good shepherd today. See, if you really trust him, you don't have to be in fear. may sound a little simple, but if we really trust him, we don't have to be in fear. In the midst of turmoil and chaos and battles and people pursuing him and the consequences of his sin, David still knew the voice of the shepherd. and He was able to respond. How many know that when he was out in that pasture, he spent some time learning to identify the voice of the Father. He was being prepared. now. John 10, I'm gonna flip over there to push in on this good shepherd thought. John 10, verse seven, then Jesus said to them, again, everybody say Jesus. So when Jesus is talking, we should really pay attention. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Everybody say thieves and robbers. So everybody that came before me, they were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for for the sheep. Now as I was preparing this message, there's some specific things that God said, and I don't want to mess this up, so let me just read this to you. Our world right now is full of thieves and robbers with loud voices and big platforms. What did the verse say? Everybody that came before me was a thief and a robber. If they're not the good shepherd and they're creating what, what did it say? To steal, to kill, and destroy. That is their agenda, right? Their, that's their agenda. These season robbers is to steal and kill and destroy. But that verse said, but the sheep did not hear them. Who are the sheep? As we're here in a moment, they're the ones that know the father's voice. Here is was the, the stinging revelation God dropped on me. Unfortunately, there are too many sheep Followers of Jesus who are listening to the voices of this world more than they are the Father's voice. They are overwhelmed with fear of loss, with death, and destruction. And if we would just redirect our listening ears, the circumstances don't have to shift in order for us to hear the Father's voice and hear the reassurance of there is life and life abundantly body of Christ, church, believers, Christ followers. If you are overwhelmed by fear, fear of loss, fear of the unknown, if you are experiencing or focused on, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Death, destruction, loss, the appearance of loss, the potential of loss. If you relate to those things, you are listening to the wrong voice. If you're his sheep, this is where we should be at. Jumping down to verse 26. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you following? And here's the assurance, bringing it back to I will fear no evil. And verse 28, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. He's never lost a battle, have you heard that? He's greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Everybody say, I will fear no evil. See, you don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to walk around in overwhelm. You are a child of God. You are a sheep in his pasture. He has got you and nobody can snatch you away. Again, I'm not saying there aren't real things that you're dealing with. If you own a business, there's economic implications and there's health crisis. I spoke with a dear friend of mine. They lost their third family member in the last three, four months. Two of them were due to COVID. Because people were around him at the end, seven family members are now infected with COVID. And was in a conversation and somebody else, he's actually one of my masterminds. So I do business masterminds, right? And somebody else in the group said, hey, it's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. I just know it is. And my heart broke because neither of them share the faith that I share. And you can say, it's gonna be okay. But without a faith in a God that is not shook by circumstances, there's not really any assurance attached to that. I mean, I'd rather be positive than negative. But people, that's not you. You do have an assurance. You do have a confidence. So when I say it's gonna be okay, when we read the Psalm and we can realize that we can rest assured that we lack nothing, that we can lie down in green pastures and be led by quiet waters even when wolves are lurking in the shadows even when bad stuff is happening our soul can be refreshed we can be guided and find comfort by the spirit our cup can overflow everybody say overflow your overflow has nothing to do with circumstances of your life you serve a god that is greater than it all so you can live in overflow in your enemies You don't have to be scared by them. They're gonna cook you dinner. That's what Psalm, they'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies are serving up dinner for you. We can wholeheartedly believe that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. No matter what we see with our eyes, we know the promises of God. We hear his voice whispering, hey, hey, I know it's all going crazy, but listen. I came to give you life and life more abundantly, life filled to the flow, life overflowing with the goodness of God. That's our assurance. Everybody say, I will fear no evil. If you have been overwhelmed by fear, today's the moment you draw a line in the sand and you say, I will not listen to those voices. I'm a sheep and my father, I'm gonna listen to the voice of the good father, the good shepherd. If you've been struggling with fear, I didn't really plan to do this. If you've been struggling with fear, with overwhelm, with anxiety, just throw your hands up. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Don't hesitate because then you can hang on to that. Like there's a lot of people been struggling with that. Stretch your hands out towards these people. God, I thank you for every person raising their hand right now. That you love them, that you value them, that they are not alone, that you know every detail of their circumstance. Right now, you know every detail and you've actually gone before them. And you're actually for them. And the blessing that you desire to put on their life has nothing to do with the circumstances they're surrounded by. And so God, I break the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. I break the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. And I loose peace and faith and confidence and hope in Jesus' name that was you, just just receive that right now. Say, I receive it, Lord. I receive it. That's my inheritance. I freely receive it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. I receive it now. God, overwhelm them with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, practically speaking on this, can I encourage you if you've been overwhelmed in fear, or maybe, maybe you haven't been overwhelmed in fear, but you certainly have been listening to some other voices that get you worked up. Some of you aren't fearful, you're angry. Oh no, now I'm meddling. <laughs> you're just ticked off at stuff and politicians and COVID. And listen, that ain't healthy either. That's not the voice of the Good Shepherd. And so my encouragement to you would be: make sure that every day you're leaning in to hear his voice. Actually, step before that, step one, eliminate or reduce the other voices. Delete the news app. Some of you just need to get off social media because you can't handle it. I'm not nervous. I want you to experience life and life more abundantly. And if you can't, Listen, listen to the shepherd's voice. Listen to your father's voice. And if you're not hearing it clearly right now, lean in. Lean in. There is peace in his presence. Lean in. Recommit. Seven days, the next seven days, I'm gonna spend more time with Jesus. If it was five minutes, make it 15. If it was 15, make it 30. If it was zero, make it 10. I'm gonna spend time with Jesus every day for the next seven days and then post it in the Facebook group and say, hey, I did it. I leaned in today. Because if you wanna fear no evil and have sustainable faith the way David did, you've got to be able to hear his voice. Amen? Lesson number two. Search me, oh God. Everybody say, search me, oh God. Uh, I kind of tend to, I like to let the scripture do the preaching. And so I'm going to read a long passage here from Psalm 139. And some of this is familiar verses to you, but I want you to hear it with fresh ears. I want you to hear the voice of your father as I read these verses to you. Psalm 139, starting in verse one, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. I just feel like as I started to read, there are some of you that just shut it down because as soon as you heard that beginning part, you're like, yeah, that's not me. I'm alone. Like, I don't hear God's voice. I don't sense his presence. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. He knows you. not alone. It says, before a word is on my tongue, you Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Remember earlier I said, even if you run away, he's still there? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there some of you have done that by the way during this isolated time and you've gone to some dark places maybe some dark places you haven't gone in a while guess what he still loves you your poor decisions your sin doesn't shake his love you could try to run away from his love and he will chase you down. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. By the way, if you're listening to me, you're still breathing. You're not dead yet. You got breath in your lungs. That beating heart, that means there's still purpose and destiny for you. Verse 11 If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you, <laughs> you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, or for one of them came to be. Let me stop and say just a couple things before I read the rest of it. He, He knows you better than you know you. He knows everything about you. He formed you. He shaped you. He crafted you. The beauty of who you are was by his design. And so when you think you're unworthy or you think you're unlovable or you think you've messed up too much or you missed your chance or you blew it, just be assured that he knows you and he still loves you. Secondly, he knows your enemies and he knows the attack you're under. See, some of you feel so forgotten right now, and again, it's a lie from the enemy. You're not forgotten. He's got your back. He he knows everything going on right now, and he knows too that you're stronger than you think. Look at somebody right now and tell them you're stronger than you know. So he knows what your enemies are doing. And here's the thing: if you're freaking out and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed you're anxious, and you're fearful. The, the wisdom I think I'd give you is, Stop it! I got Rick there. That was, he about jumped out of a the seat there. Sorry, Rick. Just, just really, you have the power to choose. Therefore you have the power to change. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take captive every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Greater is he who's on the inside of you than he that is in this world. Now, you say, but it's hard. I, I don't know how. I got you. Actually, David has you. Verse 19, it says, so David threw all this down, right? And now he gets to tell God what he really thinks. If only you, God, let me just stop there. How many of you prayed that prayer lately? God, if you would just get it together. Let's go. If only God, if only you would fix them. If only you would break this through. If only God, you would destroy the COVID virus and take it away from our nation. If only you would heal hearts from racism. God, if if you would just do your thing here, God, we'd be a whole lot better off. You went up there, God. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. See, David is in this context when he is in a battle. He's being pursued, and that's the context when he has this beautiful revelation that God has not forgotten him. They speak of you with ill intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. And now he goes to defending himself. Do not I? Anybody done that one? Do not I do exactly what you told me to do, God? Do not I tithe and give offerings? Do not I serve? Do not I speak up against evil in the world? Aren't I doing that, God? Do not I hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. I'm right, they're wrong. I'm righteous, God, I'm holy. Why are you like, why are you leaving me hanging here, God? Then by me on this? And then and there was something that happened in David, I believe. Because he'd learned to hear the father's voice. He'd learned to listen to the shepherd's voice. Do you think that stuff right there that he just ran it off, defensiveness and judging God, was that the father's voice, yes or no? Was it the father's voice, yes or no? There was something about him having learned, having that sustainable faith, having faith over the long haul, even when it didn't work out, that he checked himself. And then the next words out of his mouth was, search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, I wonder if God is listening to our prayers for breakthrough and for healing and for like, God, do your thing. If, If only you would slay the wicked. And I wonder if he hears... Us saying, but I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've done that. God, like when when are you gonna step up? I wonder if God is up there in heaven and he looks down at us when we pray those prayers, asking him to do it all. And he looks down and he says, you first. I can change it on a dime, but I'm not gonna do it till you go first. I'm not going to do it till you pray prayers like this. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. I wonder if we pray for God to fix my circumstances. God, fix this. Give me those finances. And God says, no, you do your part first. We pray, God, fix my spouse. (laughs) Some of y'all need to stop praying that prayer. We pray, fix her, fix them. And God says, you first. We pray, God, fix our nation. And he says, I really want to, but you must go first. See, your personal transformation is actually the foundation for the national transformation y'all been praying for. Like, you're the foundation. You're the the building blocks that he's going to build upon to bring transformation to our nation if we don't change it don't change we must go first in the passion translation it says god invite your search god i invite your searching gaze into my heart examine me through and through find out everything that may be hidden within me put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares see if there listen to this listen See if there is any path of pain. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Everybody say, search me, oh God. So how, how do we allow that revelation to be, create sustainable faith in our life so we can live like David did? I got three quick little practical things. Number one, are you praying prayers like David prayed? Like honestly, truly, are you willing to allow God to search your heart, to put his searching gaze on your heart? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, God, show me where there's a path of pain? Listen, guys. Can we learn things from pain? Yes. But it is not God's design for you to walk around in pain all the time. Suffering emotionally, mentally, spiritually. That is not God's design. Devil bad, God good. That's the John 10:10 10, 10 line, right? Life and life more abundantly. Is suffering and pain is that abundant life yes or no? So if you are suffering, it's not by God's design, it's by your choices. And if you begin to pray some prayers like, search me, O God, and show me any path of pain in my life, and then lead me back to you. What if you began to pray some prayers like that? What if, number two, you began asking yourself some hard questions? That's what I do in journaling. I ask a lot of hard questions, and then I answer them, and I'm like, daggone it, I wish I wouldn't ask that question. I had a moment on sabbatical where I was asking some hard questions, about what I'd allowed to get into my heart and what I better be careful of not allowing into it if I really want to fulfill my destiny. And I had this moment where I had to face some some pride, even arrogance. And I had to lay that down to God. I had to have the guts to face it. Well, my wife helped me with that, actually. She was like, Married a good woman, she's down teaching them bee kids right now. But are you asking yourself some hard questions and having the guts to answer them? And lastly, are you giving others permission to ask you hard questions? Ooh, are you saying, "Hey, call me out if I get out of line"? Do you have some people in your life that will speak truth to you and call you out? If you don't, pray them in. If you do. Start listening to them. Most of you in this room have some good friends or family members that you could go to and say, I want to give you permission. If you see anything that doesn't align with the heart of God in me, I want you to tell me and I will receive it. I won't get defensive. I won't, I won't rant. I won't get mad at you. Like I give you permission to ask me the hard questions, to call me out on things. Listen, if you're not in an edge group, that's part of why people that are in those edge groups thrive is because they put themselves in a trust environment where people can ask them some hard questions and hold them accountable. Um, pretty excited right now about the relaunch of connect groups. How many of your life's been changed through a connect group? Just say, yes. Um, so we're going to make some shifts to really say, how can we maximize connect groups to meet us right where we're at right now in our lives and in our world, and they're going to become a tool and a resource to catapult you forward, to create literally sustainable faith. Because some of you, what I preached last week, you remember the tent up here, some of you, the storm has exposed some holes in the tent. That's why I'm preaching this, because some of you, in your faith, it exposed some holes in your faith. And you've got to get back to a place where you grab hold of the promises of God and say, I'm gonna fear no evil. And you've got to get back to a place where you humble yourself and say, search me, oh God, so I can be who you called me to be, so I can do what you've called me to do. Um, If you wanna take it over the top on this point with what I just shared there, start doing some prayer and fasting. That's one of the things God convicted me about, like fasting must be a consistent part of my life. If I wanna have sustainable faith, if 20 years from now I want to be able to preach the gospel and love my wife and serve my kids and serve my clients, then I've got to be able to put myself back and make prayer and fasting a consistent part of my life. If you don't know how to pray and, fa- pray and fast, ask Elisa and Jacoby. Because Elisa is the master of fasting. She loves it too. She loves not eating. Yeah. No, she's she's taught some amazing stuff on it, and she's, she's really great at it. So lesson three, can I give you lesson three really fast? I'm kind of excited about this one. Is this helping anybody? Is anybody feeling faith stir up on the inside of you? Like, ah, sustainable faith. Lesson three, pursue God's heart and fulfill your destiny. Acts 13, 22 through 23, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do, everybody say he will do. Say he will do, say he will do. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the savior Savior Jesus as he promised. Did y'all hear that last sentence I just read? Because of David's sustainable faith, the savior was born and you and I are here today. See, if David didn't have sustainable faith, if David didn't play the long game, then Jesus could not have come through his lineage. So your faith matters to somebody else. It's not just you that needs sustainable faith. The people counting on you need you to have sustainable faith. Everybody say long game. You've got to shift your focus from the temporary to the eternal. And when we do that, that's when we get to bring hope to other people. But what I wanna focus on is that part of he will do everything. Listen in the, the Passion Translation. It says, after removing him, Saul, God raised up David to be king. For God said of him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man who will always pursue my heart. And, everybody say and. See, some of you are really good at pursuing the father's heart, but you don't do good on this second part. See, David was good at pursuing the father's heart. How many know that David did some stuff that he shouldn't have done? Amen? He did some stuff he shouldn't have done. However, whenever God asked him to do something, he did that every time. Let me say that again. David did some stuff, adultery, getting a guy killed. He did some stuff he should not have done. Does anybody fall into that category? Has anybody in the room done some stuff you should not have done? Just a quick raise of hands. Nobody's raising their hands. We know who the sinners are. That's all of us. But will we be the people that when God gives us an assignment, when God says, This is your destiny, will we do everything that He commands us to do, everything that He assigns to our life to do? Because we can all do that. And so it says, A man who pursues my heart and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. Listen to this. Your destiny will not be accomplished without you doing it. I know that's a simple statement. but Some of y'all think you're gonna fulfill your destiny without doing much. It don't work that way. Your destiny will not be accomplished without you doing it. Submitted to the Lord, pursuing his heart. But you better get up and do some stuff because there's a destiny waiting on you to be fulfilled. God can't fulfill your destiny for you. There's something assigned to your life that only you can do. How's it going, Reggie? I was praying in here last night, walking around the room. That chair you're sitting in? God pegged you last night, dude. Hey, hey Reggie, I, I gotta get closer, so. Reggie, there is destiny on your life. There is purpose. The Word of God says that every word of God spoken will not return void, but it'll accomplish the thing for which he sent it. I'm socially distanced (laughs) here. It'll accomplish the thing for which he sent it. And you've had doubts in your heart because God spoke some words, but they haven't happened certainly hadn't, haven't happened when you wanted them to or how you thought they would. And God wanted to remind you today that every word he spoke will happen. It will not return void. Don't doubt the, the purpose on your life. Don't doubt the impact on your life, which by the way, he wants you to know there's more impact happening right now through your life than you would ever even realize, than you would ever give yourself credit for. So don't stop doing the little things because more people are watching than you realize. But there are some bigger things, and he hasn't forgotten. He has not forgotten, and he doesn't want you to either. Don't give up. Stay the course. Do, listen, have you done some stuff that he told you not, he didn't tell you to do? Yep, you have, just like me. You, you made some mistakes. fact, You did some stupid stuff but you are a man after his heart because you will do whatever he tells you to do. Don't stop living in the past. And begin to grab hold and say, "All right, God, I will do everything you told me to do." In fact, there's some thing he's already told you that because you thought it was done, you haven't done yet. So, whatever that last thing is he told you to do, do you know what it is? You don't have to. Okay, so you know what it is. Do it. Tap back and realign with being a man after his own heart. Amen, brother, you receive it, come on. Hi, Sarah, you usually sit there. And God was like, get over here so I can take this off. He's like, Sarah, Hag." I don't know how many conversations we've even had, Sarah, but there's destiny on your life too. And you may be young, And some of this stuff may be new to you, but God is going to raise you up as a leader. Bigger way, like, I think sometimes you prefer behind the scenes, but you might have to be in front of the scenes. Kind of like Meg, actually. It's no accident you're sitting next to her. She doesn't need a platform. She don't need to be up there. Never asked to be up there. But she served, and she served. And she submitted her heart to God and she was faithful and she was faithful and she prayed a whole lot of prayers of search me, oh God. And she had a whole lot of opportunities to fear evil, but she kept submitting her heart to God. And she's she stayed in that place of, I'm gonna be a woman after God's own heart. That This association is not by accident. Like you can follow in some footsteps here and model some things that you see in her, but God wants you to stop comparing yourself. There's greatness in you, uniqueness in you. You're the only, the one of a kind Sarah Hag on the planet. He doesn't need another Meg. He needs you to be you and to do what he asked you to do. No more comparison. You've been doing that, right? You going to stop that? Good. Because when you stop comparing and you start owning, oh my goodness. I'm unique and I'm loved and I'm called. And there's a, before the world began, he saved you and he called you, not according to what you do, but according to his purpose and grace. 2 Timothy 1.9. And it's there. And you've wondered, is there? It's there. You don't have to know it all, but again, you can follow that example of just do what he puts in front of you to do. Just like you're already doing. You're serving. You're serving in ways nobody here knows. Keep serving. Keep leaning in to hear that voice a little bit more. Like you're in preparation mode. That's the word you needed here. You're in preparation mode, but there's destiny and stuff coming. Good. Amen. Hi, everybody. You know, the thing about destiny is y'all have it. I mean, I could go around every person in this room and speak life over you. I I didn't actually know what I was gonna speak over either one of them. I just knew that God kind of pinpointed those individuals last night. But I I could begin to speak over every single one of you in this room and God would give me something to say, not because, because it's speaking life, because there's destiny and calling on your life. Like, what's your name, bro? Isaiah? Dude, people are going to follow you. They already do. Like, you're not as loud as some of those other leaders, but you're a leader. And just be mindful that people watch you and people are going to follow you. And that's a responsibility. Don't take that lightly. And don't be like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not ready. Dude, you're more, David was like, 12, 13, something like that. Freaking slated. Giant, Isaiah. Or oh, wait, is that right, Isaiah? That's confusing me because we're sitting next to each other. He's one of the people watching you, by the way. And you need to be an example to him. But you're a leader. Say, I'm a leader, Isaiah. You're a leader, man. God's put that on you. You didn't ask for it, but you are. Every single one of you in this room, there's destiny. And so here's what I would say on this. Don't wait for it to happen. What are you doing? David would do everything that God asked him to do. Just like I spoke over Reggie. There's some things he's asked some of you to do in this room. You haven't done it yet. Stop it! Just do it. Just do it. Throw on your Nike shirt and just stinking do it. And God will bless you in the past. Some of you are like, I'm still in preparation. Yep, you're still in preparation, but keep doing what, whatever he gives your hand to do, keep doing it. Step into it. You don't need to see the whole thing before he gives it to you. Take the next step. Look at somebody right now and point at them like you mean it and say, take the next step. So I kind of given you the application of this along the way, but lesson one, I will fear no evil hear his voice and create space to lean in. So some of you today, you need to commit to creating that space this week, the next seven days to lean in. How many, you're, you're in that boat? Even if you weren't doing it, all right. You're gonna create space this week to lean in. You should totally post it online on our in our Facebook group. Number two, search me, oh God. Some of you, your heart was pierced today and you need to pray some hard prayers or you need to give people permission or ask yourself some hard questions. How many are in that boat? Anybody need to give somebody permission? Ask you. There's a whole lot more of you that need to do that, but I'll let you pray about that. And then lastly, fulfill your destiny. Get on the edge of courage and action, people. That's what God created you to do. Now, I'm going to pray over everybody here in a moment, but before I do that, there may be some of you here right now or watching online that you feel very far from God. And uh maybe you could have the courage today to pray that that second prayer, search me, O God. And see, I think in the past, maybe you felt, if you prayed that prayer, then you'd see all the guilt, shame, and condemnation, the bad things you've done, the mistakes you've made, the people you've hurt. But that verse that I read to you, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. But then that last part is the most important. See, God will convict you of sin, God will convict you that you're far away from him. God will convict you of the wrong things, the wrong decisions, the wrong ways of thinking, but then he will not leave you there because the last part of the verse says, show it all to me, but then, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me back to you. Lead me back to the father. And if you're here today and you feel far from God, that's all he wants to do. He wants to hold your hand and bring you home. He wants to let you know that nothing you've done or could do can hold back his love.